Hey, everybody. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. There's Ramsey over there, the huge, uh, which means it's time for Stuff You Should Know, Nostalgia Edition, colon, T.S. Hodgman. Yeah, we've done a few toys um, Play-Doh, uh, Slinkies, right? Mm-hmm. What else? Why well, does a boomerang count as a toy? Uh, it's a way of life, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've done tons. We did Silly Putty. Silly Putty, sure. Uh, we did, um, uh, you know, a bunch. That, uh, the, ba- the balls. We yeah, the balls, balls. The balls episode. <laughs> how balls work. They round and they bounce. We said balls like a million times in that episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one's kind of cool, though. The Easy Bake Oven, which I never had one. Did you ever have one in your home? I don't think so, no. I don't think my sister had one either. Although I was a pretty tubby kid, so it's possible that my mom was like, make sure your brother doesn't know you have one of those. <laughs> Do not feed your brother anything from there. Uh, but it's interesting that this is one where uh, – Sort of a very simple idea, and you never can tell what's going to hit toy-wise. Nothing super complex about this other than you could literally bake food and sort of pretend to be an adult in the kitchen. That was the basis of it, being an adult. That was kind of uh, Kenner's thing. And Kenner, the people who made Star Wars toys, were the ones behind this. And they were very much into um, toys that— like let kids pretend they were grown-ups. Yeah. That was their bag. Yeah. I have a new neighbor, actually. Shout out to Rick, <laughs> Kathy. <laughs> hey, guys. Boy, they really uh, got under your skin, huh? What? Rick and Kathy got a shout-out on the podcast and their new neighbors? Jeez. Yeah, because he worked for – I was talking to him, and I was like, he seems like a good guy. And I was like, what You know, what do you do, Rick? He's retired now. What did you do? And he's like, I was a uh, – toy and action figure designer for Kenner. And I was like, wow, whoa. What years? He came on after his first, the first thing he worked on was the Tim Burton Batman movies. Nice. And he stayed on for a long time, like his whole career, like after they were sold and everything. Wow. Pretty neat. That is very cool. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. So uh, he still does 
wonderful uh, sculpture. So, oh, I'll bet. Just go after Rick Watkins' art online and and check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm going to check it out. But I mean, Kenner is such a big deal to like to people our age and of many ages. But I didn't realize that they. I didn't realize their origin as a company. Remember in the we talked we did a whole action figures episode. Remember? Oh yeah. And we talked a lot about Kenner. Was that a two-part episode or was it just like an hour and a half long? Mm, I feel like very, it was just long. It was very long. But um Kenner almost didn't do the Star Wars ones if I remember, but for us at least that put Kenner on the map. What I didn't realize is that Kenner was already on the map as far as toys go. Yeah. And one of the ways that they got there was from the Easy Bake Oven, which debuted in November of 1963, right around the time that John Kennedy was shot. Yeah, but uh, Kenner had been around since the 1940s. Um, Albert Philip and Joseph Steiner um, formed the company after, as legend goes, uh, one of them saw a bubble you know, maker bubble wand or whatever you call them. Yeah. And it was like, hey, if I could do a gun that shoots bubbles, we might be onto something. And that was their very first product is the Bubblematic gun. Yeah. And then whatever, less than 20 years later, the Easy Bake Oven, even though, as we learned today and yesterday, there had been toy ovens since like the Victorian days. Yes. Like really, really dangerous ones. <laughs> I know, like real, <clears throat> real little ovens. Yeah, like wood-burning pellet solid fuel stoves made of cast iron mm -hmm. that were sized down for little kids <laughs> to use. Yeah, basically like, here's the oven that can kill your parents. We'll just make a smaller one that can kill you. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, so the the children's play oven, functioning play oven um, history very kind of closely tracks the real oven history, right? Yeah. Like when there were cast iron Wood-burning ovens, there were kids' versions of them. As they as real ovens moved into uh, electric ovens, there were kids' versions of them. Mm -hmm. Apparently, um, Lionel, the train, the model train makers, sure. they made some in the 30s. Also, we want to give a shout-out to Lisa Hicks and the people at Collectors Weekly for a great article we also used for um, this yeah. episode, too. But uh, um, in the 30s, there were electric ovens. By the 40s or 50s, I think— there were fiberglass insulated ovens, electric ovens. It was just like a small oven for kids, mm -hmm. but they were ovens. They were extremely dangerous. And um, Kenner had this really great idea. And the reason that this idea came about at Kenner to begin with is apparently Kenner was really big on <clears throat> having like ideas could come from anywhere. Yeah. Anybody in the company float an idea and people would listen. They had like regular meetings where, you know, there were bull sessions. Maybe they ordered some like chow mein or something like that. Everyone mm -hmm. rolled up their sleeves and relaxed and, and spat out ideas. And one of the salesmen from uh, Kenner came back in from the field and said, you know what? I saw something. I saw some pretzel vendors keeping their pretzels warm on the street using a light bulb. What if we used a light bulb to heat up an oven for the little kitties? And somebody, I think Charles House, Ralph House. Well, Norman Shapiro was that gentleman, okay. and then Ronald House. Ronald House was the big time inventor for Kenner, who uh, had a couple of like really big uh, products under his belt, mm -hmm. and he was like, "That that's an Ace's idea." That's exactly how he talked. Yeah. Probably so. Everyone hated him for it. <laughs> but he was really good at inventing toys, so they had to put up with it. 
Yeah, but Kenner's deal, like you were saying, was uh, find things that mimic adult things. Mm -hmm. And that's like kind of, I bet like kids are going to dig that stuff. And they did from like, and kids still do, little toy lawnmowers and toy bulldozers. And uh, I mean, Ruby's got a little cleaning set with like a duster and a dustpan and a mop. And (laughs) Is is she OCD? No, but I mean, all the time. She will say, you know, come on, Daddy, let's clean, and she'll hand me a mop. That's a little OCD. Uh, well, no, that's good then. Yeah. <laughs> I like where she's headed. Did you have one of those um, plastic safety razors so you could shave next to your dad? No. I did. But I was. Pr- I think a lot of boys are pretty obsessed with shaving before they sure. have whiskers. Yeah. And I, I think I heard that it would actually stimulate hair growth on your I face. I was about to say, I remember being worried about that. Yeah, because I didn't have – I had a pretty – I mean – Looking at me now, you would never know, but I didn't have a lot of facial hair going on until uh, well into college. Was it, like, lacking, or did it come in patchy? Just a little bit, sort of like my brother is now. He just stayed in that phase where— Your brother's got a perfect chiseled face. Well, I know. (laughs) That's because he doesn't have a beard. Oh, okay. But um, Scott can grow a pretty decent goatee now, but (laughs) I don't don't think he could grow the full beard. But his his was—we were both spotty, like a little bit above the lip. Mm Mm-hmm. A little bit on the chin. The one part just kind of traced a line up to your <laughs> eye from around, from under your nose. Yeah, but, ne- I mean, it was sort of a family thing. We're not hairy dudes. We don't have like, very hairy legs or It is odd that you have like such that. a full beard. Like, I don't have hairy arms or anything like that. You're, you're a beast. I don't know if beast is the right <laughs> word, but, yes, I'm a little hairy. You're a hairy guy. My uh, chest hair definitely plucks out from under my shirt. You ever done any, like, uh, laser or anything like that? No. No? Good for you. No, I'm just, I'm hairy. No, I mean, you're normal. It's not like you're Robin Williams. No. He was hairy. Yes, he was. God rest his soul. Yes, indeed. So back to the ovens. So um, the the idea has been put out there now by Norman Shapiro? Yes. Yeah, okay. So, and it was taken up by Ronald House, and this was was huge and groundbreaking because, again, there were were, um, unsafe ovens for kids that had been around since the 19th century. Mm Mm-hmm. What these guys had just happened upon was the way to make another unsafe oven seem safe mm-hmm. to parents. Yeah. That was that was it. That was the genius of this idea. That is what made Easy Bake Ovens take off. What they had figured out was that if they used a light bulb as the heating element, and believe me, a light bulb can can heat up an oven. Sure. Um three fifty. But yeah. Up to three fifty, which is a common baking dump. Yes. From a light bulb. And actually, at first, as we'll see, a pair of light bulbs. But the fact is, they're light bulbs, and parents are familiar with light bulbs. They don't seem weird or scary. Yeah, it's not a wood pellet. And the fact that it's not like a heating element, like in an actual oven, it's just a light bulb, that is what they used to convince parents that this was a safe product that they could buy for their kids. It was a genius idea. It really was. And like you teased a second ago, the very first model uh, in 1963 Mm – and if you look at that very first one, it doesn't really even look like an oven. Well, certainly the new one doesn't either. No. I did go online. I was like, maybe I should get one of those, but they're ugly now. They. I'm sorry to the person who designed them. <laughs> yes, I'm glad you said it. They are ugly little ovens. Yeah, they should kind of go back to looking more classic, I think. Yeah. That would be my advice. Um, <laughs> but they used two 100-watt incandescent bulbs mm-hmm. at first, one over the top. And another under the bottom, obviously, they were trying to get an even heat because you're baking things. Right. And and they very wisely designed this thing um, so that 
the actual oven part was basically inaccessible to the kid. You're right. On either side, so just imagine a box. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, man, here's where... It I love little, it. Okay. It's my favorite thing when you try to describe something uh, visual. Let me, let me see if I, if I close my eyes, it works. Uh, imagine a box. Okay. And then coming out from either side of the box are a couple of um, little little arms. Okay. But the arms are half arms, uh-huh. and they're rectangular and hollow. Okay. And they're actually openings. Mm-hmm. One opening, you slide in the uncooked thing that you want to bake into the heating area, the oven. Mm-hmm. Let it bake, and you push it through the other the other side, the cooling <laughs> chamber, and then it comes out the other arm. Everyone, Josh just had his eyes closed that entire time, <laughs> and For it real. worked. It I really work. painted a great picture in your mind's eye. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, yeah. So that's what what's going on. You had the two bulbs, um, and in fact, let's go ahead and take a break there. Oh, oh, okay. It's a nice little cliffhanger. When we come back, I'll re-describe the Easy Bake Oven again. Sounds good. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. All right, we were at one bulb, right? uh, Yeah. I'm sorry, no, we were at two bulbs. Right. It was so long ago, I couldn't remember. (laughs) I know. It was a full ad ago. But then what they did was they figured if they just engineered this thing to distribute heat and hold heat a little better— almost like a convection oven. Yeah. Exactly like a convection oven. That they could go down to one bulb. Yeah, there was a dude named uh, Charles. Hold on. I really want to. Yeah, Charles Cummings. Charles One Bulb Cummings? Yeah, that's what he was known (laughs) as. Charles Cummings was uh, a designer at Kenner. And I think in the late 70s, he designed the interior of the oven so that it, the bulb, one bulb, created a convection current. Yeah. So it cooked just as well as two bulbs, but you just needed one. Um, and he owns the patent to that. Oh, really? 
which oh, is the smart. way it should be. Yeah. He was the designer. He came up with it. That's pretty rare, too, I think. Kenner, of course, I'm sure had an exclusive license to it, but right. I'm sure he got, like, a decent amount of money from that license agreement. Mm-hmm. That is the way it should be. He also created the patent, um, or he held the patent for the add-on popcorn maker that you could put oh, yeah? onto the Easy Bake Oven, too. Good for him. Good for you, Charles Cummings. Charles One Bulb Cummings. He probably lives on top of a mountain somewhere. <laughs> he does. On a, on a mountain of money. Uh, so, all right, you're down to one bulb, mm-hmm. thanks to Charlie Cummings. Yeah. They initially wanted to call this in 1963 when it was two bulbs. The, when they debuted. Yeah, right out of the gate, they wanted to call it in November of 63, the safety bake oven, because they really wanted to drive this home, was that it was super safe. Right. And mm-hmm. the regulatory bodies were like, you can't, you haven't even sold one yet. Like, we don't. We're not sure if this is going to kill kids. Right. It, it burned a dozen monkeys during the product <laughs> testing trials. Oh, that's so awful. Um, but you can't call it that yet because we don't know yet whether it's truly safe. Go ahead and sell them. Sure. But just don't, don't call, call it safe. The safety bake oven. So they're like, well, what about easy? And they're like, are we still talking about this? We're done with you. Go away. <laughs> and um, they, so they were like, okay, fine. We'll call it the easy bake oven then. Right. And they sold it as the easy bake oven, and it sold out immediately. They sold it. So November 1963 is right before the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's in the Christmas season, yes. I think, even back then. Yes. And they they made a little more than half a million units and sold them all at, before Christmas. Yeah, for fifteen ninety five, which is expensive. That would be about $130 today. No. Yeah, that's, a, that's an expensive toy. Wow. And if you look at the thing, I saw a picture of one that's for sale on eBay. For really cheap, I think it was like thirty bucks or something. Really, it was unused in the box, still what? needed to be assembled. But if you look at it, you're like, that thing looks like a death trap. Huh. It looks like the Ford Pinto of of children's <laughs> toys from the '60s. Yeah. You know, like the sharp metal edges. Yeah, sure. And like, all, like that's what it looks like. Like, <laughs> like the baby strollers we were pushed around in. Yeah, remember that that Dan Aykroyd SNL skit from years ago with the dangerous Christmas toys? Hmm. And there was one called the, the bag of glass. <laughs> <laughs> So great. <laughs> uh, and that's all it was. It was yeah. just a bag of shards of glass. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they sold a half a million. And then they're like, we got to make a lot more of these for next year. Yeah, because this is back at a time when toys didn't do that very often. You know, it seems sure. like every Christmas now people are like, well, what's the toy we should go fight other parents for right, in the right. aisles? Yeah. Tell us. Yeah, because I'm training in the ring. This is when it right, This is when it happened organically, when you put out a toy and if it became like the fight-worthy toy, that was a few and far between things. <laughs> the Easy Bake Oven was the fight-worthy toy right out of the gate. Yeah, so in year two, I think they they made about $1.5 million, sold all those. Mm-hmm. And here was the, here's the little bit of genius from Kenner is uh, anytime you can sell a supplementary product to the, the big thing, yeah. then you're really uh, cooking with gas, That's like the, ironically. That's G- like the Gillette Razor <laughs> model. I think it was sure. King Gillette who came up with that. Yeah, so the, what they did was they sold uh, mixes, you know, these little instant mixes that you mm-hmm. would pour and it would make a little cruddy cake. Mm-hmm. And they had 25 of these at first. And we're selling those like crazy because like hotcakes. If you're a kid, if if you're a kid, you want all those. You're like, well, sure. I haven't tried the the strawberry cake yet. Plus, also, it's maybe not it'll like, taste better, it's mommy. It's not like you're putting this in like a a book, like some baseball cards. And you're like, well, I've got this one. I don't need it Use anymore. It, yeah, you eat that thing, and you need another thing and to you, replace it. And you poop it out. Yeah, and you're not going to eat the poop again. No. 
you're going to go buy another one. And that was the genius of the other genius idea of this whole thing. There was a third genius idea, too. Kenner did this so right. The licensing? Not just, no, the advertising. Oh, sure. So remember, this is kids emulating grownups. That was their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, they, they advertised not just to kids through like Archie's comics, mm-hmm. but they, uh, they advertised directly to their parents too. Yeah. Like on, there were ads for the Easy Bake Oven on I Love Lucy mm-hmm. and on Hogan's Heroes, according to this Collector's Weekly um, article. And in these ads, if you look at a lot of old ads and even some of the newer ads too for Easy Bake Oven, it's a mom and a daughter. Right. And the the parent is like, oh, this is something we can do together. I love baking. Mm-hmm. It's basically my whole life. I'm a, I'm, I live in 1963 and I'm a woman. Right. So I would love to share that with my daughter. Uh-huh. Maybe she's old enough to have an easy bake oven herself. And that definitely helped propel uh, sales for sure. Because it's not just kids going, I want an easy bake oven. It's the parents going, that'd be a great thing to do with my kid. Yeah. And of course, as uh, people evolved and people became more woke over time, even though that word wasn't used, oh, no. um, enlightened maybe, it became a bit of a problem with gender roles. And like, this is for moms and daughters, they're pink. And that's what you're supposed to do is be in the kitchen baking for the men. Yeah, I mean, very famously, the Easy Bake Ovens always ended with the disclaimer, like, this toy is not for boys. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't really. But essentially. Yeah, it, it, like, that was this. That was what was coming through. And the weird thing is, as far as, as, like, legendary and iconic a toy as the Easy Bake Oven was, as gender roles and, um, yeah, as gender roles evolved. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was, we're talking like the early 70s when this really started to become like a thing. Yeah. The Easy Bake Oven did not evolve with it. Right. As we will see, it wasn't until the like early 2000s that they started to like respond to that kind of thing. And I saw an ad for 2014, not a boy in sight. Yeah. All girls and um, it, it, just dancing around like the girliest Easy Bake Oven you could possibly imagine. Yeah. They actually got more girly as time went on, more right. girl-focused mm-hmm. um, as gender roles went on, which is really weird to me to be that is. not just non-responsive, but almost like, no, we're going the opposite way. Yeah, and in the early 2000s, Hasbro, who, uh, you know, they bought out Kenner eventually. Mm-hmm. Makers of the classic Snoopy snow cone machine. I never had one of those. Did you have one of those? No, neighbor did. Okay. Um, but you got to eat some of that sweet, sweet. Sure. Sugar ice. <laughs> there was nothing like the taste of, I think the cherry one. I can't remember, but the, it was just the, the greatest snow cone you could possibly have. And that's until you had a shaved ice later, and you're like, oh no, wait, this is a lot better. Still number one reigning champ. Really? Number two is blue raspberry slush puppy. Yeah. See, what I would always do was um, slurp that sweet liquid, and then I'd be left with just some faintly colored kind of just ice. Oh yeah, no, I know that was the problem with it for sure. Yeah. But if you did it right and you just kind of let it settle, uh-huh. you got, you know, through the nasty stuff first. Uh-huh. It, it, when you got to the bottom, then you got to the true, like, yeah. hyper, hyper-dense hyper snow cone experience. Yeah, I could never do that. I'd still have problems regulating my, like, hot fudge to ice cream ratio when eating a sundae. Oh, yeah? I just won't even do it anymore. You So you do all the hot fudge first and then you're left with some cruddy ice cream? Yep. That's pretty, I mean, that's standard. Cruddy, delicious ice cream. <laughs> right. <laughs> This ice cream that some people around the world would kill for is cruddy. <laughs> it doesn't have any more fudge. Dude, I've been on a, a 
15-year campaign to convince Emily that vanilla ice cream is like a legit flavor. Sure. I think she's she still thinks that vanilla ice cream is just like unflavored ice milk. Yeah, it's like it's it's the one without the flavor added, right? I'm like, no, vanilla. Yeah, this is really delicious. Actually. It is. It is. It's subtle. <laughs> vanilla bean ice cream, like mm-hmm. a true uh, the flex. Mm, yeah. So good. I'm with you. Uh, so in early 2000, they finally, like you said, tried in a very ham-fisted way to get boys involved with the the Q U Easy Bake Queasy Bake. Is that what it is? Took me a second too, because Q use is a separate word. So okay, now it's not it all even makes hyphenated. Sense. So the queasy bake oven and the mixerator for you boys, you can make mud and crud cakes mm-hmm. and larvalicious cocoon cookies, and you know not like hey, just bake something good because anyone can bake. Yeah, anyone can bake. And they didn't like the girls. Don't don't use that one. Yeah, it was it was only boys that showed up in these ads. They're like, we really need to get boys involved. How can we do that? Oh, we'll make one specifically for boys that's like they're making cruddy cakes. I mean, I know they're just trying to sell stuff, but when in these meetings, in these marketing meetings, that you just can't help but think they're it's like a bunch of like eighty five year old men. It's our it's our Senate. Yeah. It's in there. Right. They're like screaming and pounding and yelling at each other about the idea of uh, like selling this to boys. Oh, man. Well, after that, I feel like we should probably take a break. Yeah, we'll go to our Senate chambers and uh, regroup right after this. All right. Game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. All right, so in 1967, the Easy Bake Oven is selling, like, uh, hotcakes, literally. (laughs) General Mills buys Kenner, uh, and they did a couple of genius things. They they partnered, because they were General Mills, Mm -hmm. they had no problem because they owned Betty Crocker as well, I assume. Um, launching Betty Crocker branded mixes. Right. And then later on, they got into licensing deals with McDonald's and Pizza Hut because here's the thing. You can bake 
anything in an easy bake oven because it's just a little oven. Yeah, I saw you can make that, pizza, and right. you can make. You don't have to buy these mixes. You can just bake cookies that you made from scratch. Yeah, and there's like a lot of um, recipes online, easy bake oven recipes. Yeah, that actually don't taste like garbage. Right. So, um, yeah, they did have a huge line of mixes though, and they sold more than a hundred million of them over the over the years. Man, that's how they get you. But I mean, they there there were recipes for or mixes for candy bars, pecan brittle, popcorn, mm-hmm. bubble gum. You could bake your own bubble gum. Interesting. It is interesting. I would have tried that for sure. I want to see bubble gum come out in like a brownie pan. Yeah, I'd be like, I want some of that bubble gum. That looks amazing. We had a cotton candy machine. Now that I remember, what it would just spin sugar and you would. Oh, I know what they do. Yeah, yeah. I wanted one. Yep. That thing was probably dangerous. It was probably like a nuclear centrifuge. What what, what was interesting about those or fascinating to me was it like the the cotton candy um this oh it's not called it's like a not the web sponge sugar the, or something like yeah. that um yeah I want to say web but that's not it either it, you it's not really visible in the Silk, machine yeah. But when you stick in the little cone, yeah. it just builds up on it like it's, it, like so it's just coming out of a, another dimension <laughs> into this one. Like coming out of a spider's butt. It's awesome to see. Yeah. A pink and, and pink and blue spider's butt. Man, I had to go out yesterday to uh, – I still have my pickup truck because I just kept it because it was paid for. Mm-hmm. And I still move and haul stuff occasionally. Yeah. I had you, to move you something. You have to justify it to me. <laughs> I had to move something yesterday. And uh, I went out, and there was the most beautiful, huge spider web from a tree down attached to the rear tailgate of my truck. And you're like, Chuck smash. With this big spider right in the middle. And I was like, oh, man, I just felt so bad. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. So you just put it in reverse and pretended nothing, you didn't see anything? <sighs> no, I actually plucked it off little by little because I wanted to ensure his safety. Oh, and that's nice of you. And the web just goes crumbling down into a, a long you know, skinny string, and he, yeah. he climbs right up to the tree, and I was just like, I'm really sorry. He's like, oh, I'm sure you are. I see you. It's I great. know. He tried Super to sorry. spit venom into my eyeball. He's um, like, what do you what do you need your truck for? And you're like, i got to go get peanut butter. <laughs> He's like, oh, good. Thank you for ruining 30 hours of my work. A giant vat of peanut butter that would only fit in my truck. <laughs> um, all right, so let's, let's flash forward here to – uh, the modern times in 2007, okay. the uh, Energy Independence and Security Act, when the government said by tw- 2012, uh, light bulbs have to increase their efficiency by 25 percent. So bye bye 100 watt incandescent bulb. Yeah. So let me just say something. Let me set that up, too. Uh, over the years, the Easy Bake Oven had just remained a steady seller mm-hmm. for Kenner and then Hasbro. And the design had been basically the same. It went from two bulbs to one bulb, but it was this closed box where the heating element was, mm-hmm. where there was a slot on the side. Remember, I went through the whole <laughs> thing, right. pushed it in, and it came out of the cooling chamber on the other uh-huh. side. Um, but really, the design was the same. The outward look changed. Like, it went from the weird, its own thing, to the late 70s and early 80s. Yeah. It started to resemble a microwave. Sure. And then, in in uh, response to this change in light bulb requirements, Easy Bake did a redesign in 2006. Mm-hmm. And for the first time ever, the Easy Bake oven actually looked like an oven, like a stove. Mm-hmm. It had little, like, fake burners on the top. Yeah. It looked like a stove. And it was actually a front loader to where there was, a, 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 like, a, a slot in the front of the Easy Bake oven, mm-hmm. and that's where you put the thing in, and that's what you actually pulled it out from, too. And it went right into the heating element. Um 
And they replaced the the light bulb because, again, so long 100-watt light bulb because yeah. of the Energy Act um, with an actual heating element, a ceramic heating element like an oven. Yeah, it was an oven. So they made an oven, but then when they made the oven, they redesigned this thing so that you could put your fingers right into the <laughs> oven while it was baking yeah. at its hottest temperature. And, of course, kids immediately started doing that. How did they— how did that one slip past? No idea. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense at all. So in the end, I think, what, what close to 250 kids ended up with, like, second and third degree burns. Yeah. One partial amputation of a finger. Yeah, because kids would get their fingers stuck in it, right? And it's just searing. And then some kids got their fingers stuck in it while it was heated, hot. Yeah. And, yes, they were getting huge burns. So um, Hasbro was like, well, we'll do a recall, and they recalled— like 985,000, I think ultimately a million of these things they recalled. First, they tried to say, here's a little fix. Yeah, here's a retrofitted piece. It's really easy to snap it on and it'll solve everything. And apparently it did solve everything. And they're like, why didn't you make it that way to begin with? Right. But most parents were not, like, they didn't have their ears out that there was a recall of their Easy Bake Oven. And so their kids, the kids st- kept getting burned. And, and finally, Hasbro was like, just bring them back. So there's a recall of a million Easy Bake Ovens from that 2006 redesign. That's a terrible. huge toy for them. Like, to, if that would have Mm-mm. ruined the Easy Bake Oven, mm-hmm. that would have been a big, big deal. So what they did was they temporarily went back to an old design featuring a light bulb, too, while they redesigned it to the new version. So uh, then they came out in 2011 with that that really ugly designed what's called the Easy Bake Ultimate Oven. Oh, I'm looking at it now. That thing looks, yeah, it does. It looks terrible. It's horrible. It's super, it looks like it's on the go or something like that. <laughs> I don't like it. It looks like a weird toaster oven. Yeah, but it's sort of, it looks like it's trying to look futuristic and modern, which never ends up looking like that. No, it doesn't. But they also made it pink and purple. Yep. Super girly. The Fla- ads were super girl targeted. Yep, there's flowers on it. And again, they were like, nope, this is for girls. Boys, don't play with this. So in 2000, I think 2013, there was a girl named um, McKenna Pope. Yes. Who is just a hero of heroes. She's amazing. I saw an interview with her on CNN. It's pretty great. She's just so like self-possessed and intelligent and like well-spoken, but also like a kid and aware she's a kid. She's just amazing. One of those clearly reincarnated. Yeah. Um, and she went on, a, a, she started a petition to get Hasbro to make a gender neutral version of its Easy Bake Oven because her little brother um, liked to bake, but realized that the Easy Bake Oven was for girls. Mm -hmm. She wanted him to be able to bake, so she said, Hasbro, why don't you make one that's gender neutral and got something like 50,000 signatures for her petition, and Hasbro came out with a new version of the Easy Bake Ultimate Oven, which was just a black version of it, black and I think silver. I'm surprised it wasn't like uh, Mm -hmm. our brush stainless model. Sure, right. Like to emulate, you know, kitchens. Right. Yeah, she's... Gee, she's probably almost 20 years old now. Yeah. wonder what she's doing. McKenna Pope, are you out there? She's some sort of, like, consumer protection lawyer, I'll bet. Probably so. I hope so. Me too. Uh, 2006, they go into the National Toy Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. The same year that disastrous redesign. Yeah. They got in just under the wire. <laughs> they did, yeah. Whew. Can't take it back. I'm trying to look here at their, from their very own website, some of the landmark years. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And it is kind of funny that it emulated the styles of the time, unless they were just doing pink. Like in 69, they premiered the Avocado Green. Yeah. The very next year was Harvest Gold. Yeah. It's very good. Metallic P. <laughs> we say that a lot in our house. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, they had a potato chip maker. Did we mention that? No. 1973, the Easy Bake Potato Chip Maker. That's awesome. And um, then in 78, they finally started putting a fake digital clock on it that uh, always read 1230. Okay. Not 420. <laughs> you see that a lot in, in as a joke. Sure. And like the... Pothead joke. Yeah, but like you'll see a, a, a an alarm clock ad in like a mm-hmm. Sky Mall or something, and it'll say 420. Right, because the publisher's sure. not paying attention. They get it. Doesn't know. Or they don't care. Sure. I remember years ago when we used to have uh, a lot of illustrations on how mm-hmm. stuff works and had two in-house illustrators mm-hmm. that I won't name. Mm-hmm. And remember one of them drew a like a park scene for me, and the tree clearly had a marijuana leaf like mm-hmm. embedded in it. Right. And I was like, hey, man, you, you can't do that. And he was like, oh, it was completely an accident. Right. I was like, man, I wasn't born yesterday. Yeah. I've seen a pot leaf before. I, I mean, I thought it was funny, leaf. but like, you know. Yeah. Couldn't do that. You got anything else? I don't think so. Easy bake oven. Mac and cheese you can bake. Oh, in 2003, <laughs> they uh, they introduced the real meal oven. And you could, that's when you could do like french fries and pizza and mac and cheese and stuff. I think that was the predecessor to the ceramic heating element that they eventually redid so. the, the Easy Bacon in 2006. Good stuff. Good stuff. If you want a nice blast from the past, just type in like Easy Bake Oven commercials. There's one from 1980 that was just perfect. Yeah. Was it rad? No, it was pre rad. Oh, okay. It was like Carpenter's era. Gotcha. Which is not rad, but still lovely. Yes. Love the Carpenters. Me too. Um, well, if you want to know more about Easy Bake Ovens or the Carpenters or the Snoopy Snow Cone Machine, just go onto the internet. It's a vast repository of stuff like that. And since I said that, it's time for Listener Mail. Hey, guys. I'm a freelance writer who works remotely, so I've been writing and traveling the world for the past year and a half. It's been wild. Since I've been traveling alone, it can get lonely. But from Mexico City to Bali to Tokyo, you guys have been with me, keeping me company, making me laugh, teaching me all kinds of cool facts. Uh, As a content writer, I also feel a connection to y'all. We both uh, have to research seemingly mundane topics uh, sometimes and discover the cool, interesting things about them, present them in a palatable way. Uh, People sometimes laugh when I'm telling them I'm writing something like the history of the Egg McMuffin or the best month to buy a mattress. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I just... Point to your podcast as a sterling example of how gems and surprises lie within even the most unassuming topics. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. Have you guys ever considered doing a show on digital nomading? Never. I know it's becoming increasingly popular as more companies embrace uh, remote working. Uh, I'm in a cafe in Medellin, Medellin, Colombia right now, and there are five digital nomads tapping away on their laptops as we speak. They would beat me up if they knew I just referred to them as digital nomads. The future is location independent, I say. Thanks again for being so awesome. It's a short-term dream of mine to digital nomad over to a country where you're doing a live show. Buy you guys a drink. Awesome. Uh, If you do read this on the air, please give a shout-out to Mark Alexander, who insisted that I keep listening to you guys even even after I was initially slightly turned off by all of your asides and off-tracking. Happens to a lot of people. And that's funny because we had a lot of those today. You know, that reminds me of a totally unrelated story. (laughs) 
Uh, he's, she says, now I very much learned to appreciate those. Uh, he would burst into tears, and I would too. So thank you, Mark Alexander, for turning on your friend, uh, Maria Cristina Ladonde. That's Thanks a, a lot. Beautiful name. Yeah. I'm sorry, Lalonde. Lalonde. Maria Cristina Lalonde. Beautiful. Um, and I hope that uh, your buddy did just burst out into tears. That'd be amazing. Pretty neat. Thanks for that email. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web at stuffyoushouldknow.com. Check out our social links there. And if you like, send an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.